Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. For I have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I'm a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before, the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also, pull out some of the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and she beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. That's a lot. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness is not staking the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. 
Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you may be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Chapter 2. Thank you, Jaden. You're welcome. <clears throat> Maybe next week I'll, I'll remember to actually give someone a heads up. The book of Ruth. <clears throat> it's, it's a story of redemption. In the midst of loss and bitterness... It's the story of new beginnings and hope. It's the story of friendship. It's a story of faithfulness. It's a story of grace and providence. And it's a story about virtue. It's the story of God blessing people through people. As they make virtuous choices, choices that align with God's standards for love and human flourishing. In the days when the judges ruled, that's how the story begins. In the days when the judges ruled, when there was no king in Israel, when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, the book of Ruth is a story about a man and a woman who choose to live differently. And how when they choose to live in accordance with the precepts of God's kingdom, over time, they begin to experience the benefits of divine wisdom. One of the unique features of this story, the book of Ruth, is the way that God himself features in the story. Um, God is mentioned there's a couple of prayers in this chapter that we just read. Um, Naomi gives God all the credit for her bitterness um, in the first chapter of the story. So God is, is mentioned, he's present. But nowhere in the story of Ruth do we see God sort of uh, intervening explicitly. It's really the story of people. And we can perceive the providence of God at work in their choices and their actions, which is relatively unique um, to a Bible story. God is um, in the background, you could say. And in that way, the book of Ruth tells the story of God rewarding those who obey him. Um, as we were worshiping, I debated with myself whether or not to even like mention this, but now here we are, and I'm going to say it. Um, as we were worshiping, I felt like the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, don't preach that. Uh, it's a great message, actually. Um, I was quite excited to teach it, and I felt like the Lord say, no, no. Not that. Not this morning. Um, it's true that God blesses obedience. 
Um, and I think that's, that's probably something that needs to be taught. Um, I wanted to at least get that far. This is an example of people who are living in a particular way, making a virtuous choices, faithful friendship, kindness, generosity, Boaz. What, a, uh, what a, an incredible example of a godly man. It says that he's a worthy man in the first verse. It's the same word that's used to describe like um, a mighty man, a valiant man, a wealthy man, an honorable man. The words used of God himself many times throughout scripture. He's a worthy man. And this story upholds Boaz, this example of like, look at what God does when someone lives like Boaz and Ruth. Um, it makes Ruth a very unique story because usually the humans are the problem. Um, in this case, we're being told the tale of some pretty decent folk. And we see how God blesses them as they live um, out a very particular standard. But I felt like God wanted um, to say something slightly different this morning. So bear with me as I process aloud. In verse, in verse 12, Boaz prays, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord. The God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. For you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. This is a woman who sees herself as a nobody, a foreigner, not a member of God's uh, family, his covenant people, the people of promise. Just a random widow who's traveled with her slightly embittered mother-in-law from Moab to a place she does not know. She decides, well, I might as well get to work before we starve to death. So she goes to work the fields. In that time, in that culture, um, there was actually a law, Leviticus 19, that dictates um, the owners of land were to leave a portion of the crops, the corners, for the poor to sort of glean from, to get like what's left over. And so that's what she was doing. She was out there trying to just get what was left for her. But with no rights, no real expectations that some, somehow God might redeem the situation or, or bless her, a foreigner, no, a no one. And yet Boaz, he recognized her. He sees her. He speaks directly to her. He prays for her. And he says, may the Lord reward you. And now Ruth says, my Lord, you see me. You see me. I found favor in your eyes. This is a story about a young lady who discovers that the God of Israel is a God 
who sees the invisible. How do you feel about obedience? Take a deep breath. Have you been obeying the Lord lately? Do you feel like you're impressing him with your uh, track record of obedience? Maybe you do. Maybe you're like, Simon, you don't even know. I've been, I've been trying hard. I've made difficult choices. I've made intentional decisions to live my life in a way so as to, um, I think, I hope, honor God. I have worked so hard, and I've even denied myself in ways. I've practiced generosity. I've attempted gratitude. I've tried to be the faithful friend. And it's cost me. It's been difficult. I don't know that I've done it perfectly, but yes, I have been trying to obey. And I find Ruth to be an inspiration. She's a normal human being. If she could do it, perhaps, perhaps I can as well. And yet, you still wonder to yourself from time to time, is it working? Is it worth it? Is God rewarding me? Am I blessed? You know, some of the most uh, godly decisions I've ever made, if I can put it that way, like personally, some of my most prayerful decisions, the decisions I think, now this one, Lord, this one's for you. Doing pretty good if I do, if I do say so myself. Some of those decisions have been the most complicated, painful decisions I've ever had to live with in my life. Hasn't always felt like my decision to obey has resulted in reward. And that leaves one wondering, do you see me? Do you see me? You can often feel like no one else does. The things that you're doing um, with pure intentions, your attempts to bless the Lord and people around you, your best attempt to obey can oftentimes be completely overlooked at best, misunderstood at worst. And it can leave one wondering, is it like worth it? Is any of this worth it? Is obedience really worth it? I was chatting with a brother this week. Um, we're talking about dating. Big part of my story as a follower of Jesus, when I became a Christian, I had a girlfriend. And this is how radical I am. This is how determined I was to obey Jesus. The night I made a decision to surrender my life to Jesus, I broke up with my girlfriend. And some of you might think, well, that's just mean. Like, why would you do that? It's a long story. At the time, in my heart, I'm like, this, this is obedience. If I'm really going to entrust my life to Jesus, that's got to somehow include my 
my, my, my relationships, my body, my sexuality, like all the things. And so for me, it was like no one told me to do it. It was just like this, this seems like an obvious thing to do. So I broke up with my girlfriend. Initially, it felt very, uh, like, wow, this is, look at me go. Man, I'm, I'm really doing it. And it was, it was cathartic. It's like I felt like a, like a release. Like, man, God's really got to be impressed. He's really going to bless me. You know how long that I had to live with that decision before I actually began to date my wife? I've told this story. Anyone, anyone want to guess? Eight years. <laughs> eight years. Now, some of you are like, eight years ain't nothing, man. I'm going on 20, 30. God bless. But what started out is like, Lord, I'm going to obey you. This seems like, like the, the right thing to do. I'm going to honor you with my, um, well, in my case, it was, it was really had everything to do with my sexuality, my sex life. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to obey you. That was a difficult decision to live out. Didn't feel like I was getting rewarded. In fact, at times I wondered if God wasn't still like mad at me about something. Like he was still punishing me for like all the years leading up to that, that moment. And it can feel like oftentimes the decision to obey um, leads to all sorts of difficult difficult things. Life can get complicated. It can feel like I'm moving backwards. Like this isn't reward. This is everyone else is having fun. And look at me. Woohoo, purity. This is a story of a woman who discovers that God sees. God sees her. God will reward her. God is aware. And I want to encourage you this morning. This is the word of the Lord, I believe. You may feel like you've been doing your best, probably not perfectly. So I'll be real. But dang it, you've been trying. You've been trying to follow Jesus to the best of your ability. And lately, it just feels complicated. And you're wondering, when, when is the reward coming? When is the reward? And God wants you to know he sees you. He hasn't forgotten about you. You may, you may feel alone. You may feel like most people don't understand you, much less see you. But God wants you to know this morning that he sees you. He sees your heart. He sees your pain. He sees what you've given up. Ruth gave up a lot. And obeying God, although it comes with the reward of, of being blessed, like being satisfied. Oh, I love that word. Ruth was satisfied. That's like fish and loaves stuff right there. Everyone ate and was satisfied. Ruth was satisfied. Didn't mean life like got less complicated. And so when we obey, absolutely there's a reward. God blesses obedience. But life is still hard. Life is still full of ups and downs and complicated things and misunderstandings and people. Did, we, did I mention people are hard? 
God sees you. God gets you. God wants you to know this morning that there is reward. There is a reward. Um, I want to illustrate this a little, little more vividly if I can. Um, I need a volunteer. I, brother, I don't know you. Do I know you? Oh, that's Jeremy. Jeremy, get up here. Okay. Just saying, so you know, this is all like, all right, Holy Spirit. Like, I, like, it's very, very awkward, very unnerving to like feel like the Spirit's nudging you. The initial response is always like, no, no, shh, quiet, Holy Spirit, quiet. I'm singing songs to Jesus. <laughs> But this is what I felt like the Spirit wanted to, to illustrate. I was just sitting there just meditating on this word. Like God's like, yeah, yeah, like obedience is important. But what I want my people to know this morning, that in your struggle to obey, know that I see you. It's hard. It's complicated. It hurts. It's costly. But I see you. Your reward is secure. Um, in Christ, in Christ, how does God see me? What does it feel like? What's, what might I, I sort of uh, picture that as? In Christ, okay, so in Ruth, Ruth is like, man, we're, this, is, this is just like the, the early days of the story. We're like, this is Old Testament, right? God saw her, but from her perspective, it must have felt like, man, he, he's like looking on from outer space. And in a moment, I'm, I, can, I can feel it. But in Christ, in Christ, God comes close. It's Emmanuel, God who's not looking on from far away, but God who is with us. So close that the kind of language that the New Testament ends up using is like, I am in Christ and Christ is in me. There's like a melding of the souls. God comes close. And so in Christ, this is what it feels like to be seen. Come closer. Jeremy, I see you. I know you've been working your butt off. I know you've made sacrifices. I know you've done your best. You've even face-planted a few times. But you choose to keep trusting me, to believing that I am faithful then I have the best life for you. Jeremy, I see you. Look at me. I see you. A little cross-eyed, but I see you. I see you. I feel you. I'm with you. Yes. I've got your reward. I see you. Was that awkward? Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> In Christ, God pours out his spirit. Um, there is something unique to our story versus Ruth's story. It's not that God has changed. His promises haven't changed. His vision to like recreate creation hasn't changed. But in Christ, God has done something new. He's made a way 
for normal people, not just the high priest, not just the special moment, not just for like the, the, the spiritually elite, but normal people who've chosen to turn away from whatever it was I was running for, towards, and say, Jesus, I want to trust you. I want to do it your way. I want to obey you. Because of his work, because of Jesus' obedience, unto death on a cross for my sins, now normal people like me, like you, like Jeremy, we can come close. And God even pours out his spirit so that this idea that God sees me, it's not just a, an idea, it's not just a philosophy, it's not just this abstract notion. It becomes an experiential reality. I get to feel seen. And all of its glorious awkwardness, God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. Amen. Can we stand? Lord, I pray that um, whatever we, we take away from this moment, whatever word or image, we, we remember or, or grab a hold of, Lord, I pray that we would all leave here with a, a renewed conviction. Lord, that you delight in blessing your kids. It is your good pleasure to reward those who, who look to you, who trust you, who obey you. Father, thank you that because of your work on the cross, we have been set free to obey from the heart, not merely as an attempt to fulfill an obligation so that we might appease your wrath or earn some of your love. Lord, you have set us free to identify as beloved sons and daughters in a way that it becomes our great joy to trust you and thus obey you. Lord, I pray for anyone in here who feels like, man, I tried to do it God's way. And my life got complicated, it got hard, it got painful. It seems to have cost me more than I thought I might um, receive. Lord, won't you help us? Even as I say the words out loud, I realize, well, that's just, that's just an opportunity for repentance. Repentance isn't just the thing that we do when we sin and feel bad. It's, it's the thing that we do every time we realize, yeah, I, I, I have given up. 
I have fallen. I, I am beginning to feel overwhelmed by bitterness and I am beginning to withdraw and hide and, and I am sort of the, all of those thoughts and feelings that would drive me away from God and people is beginning to, it's beginning to be the thing that, that compels me and that defines me and when we repent, we say no, 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 no. God, you see me. You love me. My reward is secure. And we turn back to Jesus and say, I'm, Jesus, help, help. I started to sink. I started to forget. And we repent. Would you repent this morning? My invitation to you is, if, if your bitterness and regret has become more a part of your identity than your eager expectation for God's goodness and, and the way he wants to bless you and redeem the brokenness that is your life, um, then I invite all of us, let it, let's turn to Jesus again. Lord, help us. Help us to trust you. Won't you renew our, our, um, our vision Help us to trust that you are the rewarder of those who seek you. As we receive communion, can this be a reminder that the real work of repentance has been done for us. We're invited to respond. That's our part. It's not much of a work per se. It's like receiving a gift. I guess if opening your hands counts as work, then that, that's our job. But the real work has been done when Jesus went to the cross, gave body and blood to secure forgiveness that we might come home that we might have a humble confidence that God does see us and not just from afar he adopts us into his family makes us clean calls us loved we take the bread and dip it in the juice and we eat it there's like a it's it's visceral like you can taste it you can feel it going down there's an experience to it. And that reminds me that God's grace is more than just a concept, a competing ideology and a world of, of ideas and, and philosophies. What Jesus has done is real. And his love is real. And his security and his presence, his forgiveness, it's real. And there's an invitation to feel be seen, to have a heart that's overflowing with love. And so if that's, what you want, and if that's what you want to be reminded of, then please receive the bread and the juice and trust that Jesus is uh, with us and for you. As you do that, our worship team will be with